Hello and welcome to End Credits here on CFRU 93.3 FM, CFRU.ca, Guelph Campus and Community Radio. I am your host, Adam A. Donaldson, and joining me today is... Candice Lepage. Yeah, we're doing this kind of like the old way now that we're kind of getting back to normal, uh, Omicron notwithstanding, so... Ugh, ugh. <laughs> Sounds like a Decepticon. I know that's what everybody online was saying that it's like the like the the planet one, the evil planet that mm-hmm. Orson Orson Welles voiced in Transformers the movie. Yep, yep. Famously Orson Welles's last con- contribution to film before he died. I'm sure that's exactly how he wanted to go. <laughs> he wanted to go out as an evil planet ro- planet-sized robot. I mean, that's how I'd want to go. <laughs> Oh, fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> End Credits is a local movie show for local movie fans. We're here every Wednesday at 3 p.m. to talk the latest in pop culture and review the newest movies, which this week will be the new biographical musical, Tick, Tick, Boom, which you can now stream on Netflix. Surprisingly, it's not bomb related. Uh, found found that out right at the top. Um but speaking of bombs, oh, I shouldn't have said that. <sighs> uh, <laughs> Candace is here at the beginning of the show because I asked her uh, to dip into her wheelhouse and uh, help us present the top top five in Candace's estimation of the Hallmark Christmas movies, which is be- now like an. Would you say it's an entire subgenre unto itself, the Hallmark Christmas movie? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely a genre onto itself because there are <laughs> even other, um, yeah, there are other sort of Christmas romance movies, but mm-hmm. that are not Hallmark and they're clearly not Hallmark. So yes, there's, there, it's, it's its own genre for sure. Mm-hmm. And they, they do occasionally like shoot some scenes for select, mo- I mean, how, how many of these new ones do they crank out every year? Like, like how would you, how many would you say? <clears throat> Well, so last year, which was my first year getting into the the Hallmark world, um, I think they had... (laughs) The Hallmark uh, Extended Universe. Yes, yes. (laughs) I think for Christmas, they did something like 40 films. And uh, they started airing them on the um, day after Halloween, if I remember correctly. So right at the beginning of November. Mm -hmm. And, um, And that's... So Hallmark actually has two networks they -hmm. have one that's called movies and mysteries and the other one is just the straight hallmark channel so they -hmm. actually make movies for both of those networks which is part of how they get so many films done too so some of them there's there's the hallmark movies and mysteries which tends to be uh all of those films tend to have some sort of like I use the term mystery really loosely, (laughs) (laughs) but there's, there's a mystery. Like they're trying to solve something. It's like, Oh, they found a letter in a time capsule and they have to find, you know, the guy who wrote it to the woman and get them back together or, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, a jewel, like, or, you know, piece of jewelry was lost. And so there's, so there's some sort of like mystery involved. And then there's the other ones that are just sort of the straight up romance, type mm-hmm. film mm-hmm. usually fish out of water goes to small town has an awkward you know interaction with other main character eventually falls in love right and usually the town is like overly obsessive in christmas in some capacity it's in yes. either too much christmas or not enough christmas yes well typically it's actually sort of both there's <laughs> usually so the fish out of water person 
is often either like not Christmassy. And so everyone's like, you got to fix this. Like your problem is that you're not Christmassy enough. Mm-hmm. Or the fish out of water person is like super duper Christmassy and loves the town because everybody is Christmassy. And then there's the one other person who's just like, ah, oh, humbug. And they're like, we got to fix you. <laughs> okay. Uh, now that we've set the stage and we're recording, <laughs> we're recording this as the snow literally falls outside. It so, does look like a like a Hallmark snow globe out there. Today. So it's it's almost like we planned it. So um why don't we start off your top five with the number five? Sure. So um uh so my number five, so this has been uh <laughs> when I started doing this last year at Christmas, it was because you know it was the pandemic. I knew I wasn't going to be like home for Christmas with my family. We weren't going to have the usual like big sort of to do. And so I thought, you know what? I'm going to just personally sort of amp up my Christmas vibes Mm -hmm. so that I can still feel like I'm getting it somehow. Mm -hmm. And so I decided, okay, I'm going to watch these movies. I spent the, you know, $13 a month to get the stack TV uh, subscription added to my prime, which for anybody who is a Canadian and really wants to support Canadian television, then stack TV is the way to do it because it's like, I think it's like 10 different Canadian channels mm-hmm. and you can watch the shows live. You can also watch all this stuff streaming. But so the W network is on there. The W network is the Canadian exclusive Hallmark broadcaster. Mm-hmm. Except for some weird things this year where Global's been showing a few of the movies and then they're not showing on W and it's really annoying. But that's besides the point. <laughs> so there could there could be some better films that I haven't seen yet because they haven't aired <laughs> on W <laughs> Network. But they're cherry far, picking. Yeah, I know. I know. I don't know what's going on. But so I started this last year for Christmas. And um, what I suspected was going to happen is what happened is that I kind of went. Okay, well, I've watched like all 40 movies they released this year. Mm-hmm. And now, like, I've had a movie every single day. What am I supposed to do? And so then I started like diving into like past Hallmark <laughs> movies. So um, my number five is actually the only, maybe the only one from, from sort of like a, a while back, actually, because um, Hallmark is also starting last year this is like some real like i listen to a whole podcast about the hallmark channel now it's really weird Mm -hmm. um but so last year they fired their ceo and brought someone new in and there's been a lot of changes and they're really trying to modernize the whole (laughs) the whole thing Mm -hmm. so um much of the older films are that like really formulaic Mm -hmm. sort of thing Mm-hmm. And they're really sort of working hard to kind of get away from that. Uh, so most of my films are all from the last couple of years because they have been doing better quality films. However, my number five is called Window Wonderland. Mm-hmm. And it's from like way back. It's from 2013. And I watched it last last Christmas after I had gone through all of the films. And I was like, well, now what am I supposed to do? I guess I go back in time. And so uh, so Window, One- Window Wonderland um, is super fun. Uh, and I think it's Paul Campbell and uh, Tyler Lee, who I love. She's also on Supergirl and she was in the, the she's all that satire. That's what I know her best from the not another teen movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so uh, I love this film. It's super fun because uh, you'll probably find, I think there may be a theme. I don't know. I don't know if it actually themes that way, but I really, I'm kind of a fan of the like sort of enemies who become, you know, 
who who fall in love essentially and so that's totally what's going on these two people both like you've got mail yes except (laughs) that one was super creepy um you know when one of the enemies has considerably more information than the other though i think that happens a little bit in window wonderland too anyway so these two (laughs) the two uh main leads both work for a department store and of course this department store has like the window like every single day for the week leading up to christmas they do a different window display and so um they're sort of vying for the well they're not really vying for the position uh chyla lee's character really wants the position and paul campbell's character is like whatever i showed up at work today didn't i (laughs) he's really so they're very antagonistic towards each other because he doesn't care about anything and she's like super like high energy etc and so they get pit against each other so they each have they split the window in two and they each have to come up with their own displays every single day and you know of course they're doing this late at night it's just the two of them and blah 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 and they fall in love and it's very very cute uh and um it's just it has that real christmasy feel too because of the window displays and stuff like that and you get your standard like one person has a really good like Christmassy family life and the other one doesn't and all that sort of stuff. So Window Wonderland from mm-hmm. 2013, which is like super way back. <laughs> it might as well be a hundred years ago. <laughs> might as well. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Uh, Window Wonderland. Um, cheery people designing <laughs> Christmas windows. Uh <laughs> Some under duress. Okay. Yeah. Uh, what yeah. is number four? <laughs> number four is one from last year. Um, and it's uh, got a ridiculous title. And that pretty much explains the movie. It's called Never Kiss a Man in an Ugly Christmas Sweater. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, that's the other thing about Hallmark movies. Sometimes the, sometimes the titles are just like so way out there. It's kind of hilarious. Uh, there's actually a movie called You're Baking Me Crazy. Yeah. About competing food trucks, which is, but like, wow, I think they get like five stars for the title. (laughs) So never kiss a man in an ugly Christmas sweater. Um, uh, So super sort of bubbly kind of awkward woman who was just really fun. I really Mm -hmm. identified with her. Um, She's a single mom. Uh, Her daughter's about 12 and her daughter is going to spend the holidays with her dad for the first time like since they've been split up Mm -hmm. and so um it's a little hard for her she's like oh my god she's like i'm totally fine i'm fine i'm fine and she's like not fine um she's really sort of upset about not being with her daughter at at the holiday um but in the meantime um clumsy woman that she is she accidentally uh knocks this guy over with the christmas tree while she's trying to bring it home and she mm-hmm. had previously run into him earlier at the park with a young boy and he had on this ugly christmas sweater hence the never kiss a man in an ugly christmas sweater mm-hmm. um and so there was all sorts of like weird things where nobody re- she thought that he was the guy the kid's father and he's actually the uncle and he's staying with you know, his brother and his sister-in-law. Uh, he's broken his arm because of the, <laughs> the Christmas tree incident. Uh, mm-hmm. And he was supposed to fly to somewhere to go skiing. And so he has to cancel a ski trip because he can't do that. And his brother and sister-in-law are like, it was really great having you visit for a while, but we don't have room for you anymore. <laughs> so you can't stay here. So uh, the main character 
um, super awkward main character has a guest house that she like rents out. Usually she's like, oh my God, it's not rented. So you can come stay here. And so he goes and stays there and she's super awkward and tries too hard and keeps pressing on him. Like, come over and have dinner. I feel so bad. I feel like she just feels so bad about the whole thing that she's like super um, in his face uh, until eventually he falls in love with her. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Which is the which is the ultimate way to avoid litigation, I think. It, well, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I, it's just that could have been ugly in court. <laughs> could could have been, yeah, yeah. But it it wasn't because he had on an ugly sweater, and then yeah, there's a whole other part where she gets an ugly sweater. It's it's cute. She was like I said, she was super awkward, which was awesome. Um, often you get the like super like. The characters are kind of weird. Like this character, she played it so so sort of normal and natural, even though she was like, um, I kind of describe the movie as like the opposite of Manic Pixie Dream Girl. Like she's the Manic Pixie Dream Girl, mm-hmm. but she's the one who needs to be fixed. Right. And so this guy who's kind of grumpy um, helps her sort of like calm down. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get to number three. Um, number three. Oh, right. Uh, so this is actually another one that's a little bit older. It's from the year before 2019, but it's called Christmas at the Plaza. And the reason it's on here is almost entirely because it is just, if you want to see Christmas explode on screen, Christmas at the Plaza is the one to do it. Um, it's about, um, a woman who is like, a a museum, um, sort of curator and she gets hired by the plaza which is famous hotel in new york um to do a like christmas through the ages at the plaza because excuse me every year they have like a big tree and they do a different um i think a different tree topper every year Mm -hmm. and all this sort of thing they wanted like we want to have this like thing about christmas at the plaza so they hire her to do it. Uh, of course, the nice thing with um, Hallmark is that nobody who writes for Hallmark actually has any idea how real jobs actually work. <laughs> and so they hire her for this project, which is fine, except that they're like, okay, and uh, we're going to display it in six days. <laughs> it's like, no, no, that's not really how museum curation, that's not, no, no. But so then she's freaking out. She's like, oh my God, I got to do all this. And so she's spending all her time at the plaza and in their archive room, which has just like loose things that aren't like labeled or anything. And so she's trying to like get all that organized. Meanwhile, the guy who's actually hired to do the decorations, who again, with a hallmark, no idea how real jobs work, his entire job is to be a Christmas decorator. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's, he's, he has no employees. He's the only person. I'm like, there's no, there's no possible way that this man has any sort of um, lucrative career path. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, what does he do for 10 months out of the year? Yes, exactly. When literally all he does is Christmas decorations. And there is no physical way in this dimension that that one man can do enough Christmas decorating through November and December. <laughs> to make up for his entire year and is there a scene where this is explained like somebody's like trying to get a referral for like putting up easter decorations it's, it's like no i can't like i i specialize i can't do i yes. can't do easter yeah. okay yeah. yeah i mean i don't think they do the easter but yes there is the whole conversation it's like no i just do christmas decoration <laughs> like his business card and everything like his company is called like 
Christmas decorations or whatever. Um, but I will say, so this one stars um, Ryan uh, Pavey as the 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 gentleman in mm-hmm. the in the film, and mm-hmm. um, he is just the most handsome man <laughs> in the Hallmark movie stable. Uh, he it's just it is it is so dumb how pretty this man is, and I have watched all of his movies, and most of them are terrible, and it's just like. I don't even care that it's terrible. I could like, I just, I'm just going to watch him do his thing. I think last year or sometime in the middle of the summer or something, I I had watched another Ryan Pavey movie. And I think I tweeted, I think I just have to accept that I would watch a movie of Ryan Pavey reading the the phone book and be happy with that. He's Mm. just so pretty. (laughs) Not really a very good actor, but, but, that's okay because he's just so pretty (laughs) well i mean i'm looking at his imdb and he's doing like three movies a year like they're tv movies but i mean he's he's employable so yeah well and because i mean a lot of these actors too come out of uh soap operas and listen you want a working actor then you go to someone who's in a soap opera because you just you show up every day you deliver the lines as best you can you you know, like melodrama it up. That's that's what the job entails. And that's really what Hallmark movies entail also. He did five solid years on General Hospital as Nathan West, who I have to assume was some kind of adventurer or something. No. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What's your number two? Okay. My number two is from this year. It's the, the, best, the best movie of this year so far. It's called Boyfriends of Christmas Past. Mm-hmm. Um, Sequel to Girl uh, Girlfriends of Christmas Past. <laughs> Interestingly, one of the um, I think one of the the boyfriends was in that film. Um, <laughs> there, there was sort of a, a little like some jokes about the crossover. But so this film is great for two reasons. One, you know what? I really love a like uh, a Scrooge story, right? A Christmas story, essentially, mm-hmm. where you get the like boyfriends of Christmas past. You get to see like, here's what could have been. And here's, you know, let's see your life on, on display. And so that's what this was. This wasn't so much like that, you know, past, future and present actually kind of was a little bit, but so I really love that sort of story period. Like that's one that will always get me. I'm also a, a a fan. Um, I've always been a fan, not only in the Hallmark realm, but even before the Hallmark realm, I always like the, you know, best friends who finally go, oh, you mean all this time we were more than best friends? Oh. <laughs> so that's that's definitely what this is about here, except mm-hmm. that one person has definitely always known, uh, yeah, like we're, we're more than best friends, right? When are you going to realize? And so it was great to watch this like super awkward, horrible, like I'm just watching this woman going, oh my God, you are being so dense right now. And it is so painful to watch and oh your poor friend who is just like patiently going yeah yeah okay okay well yeah whatever also um i think his name is uh ray ablack he uh this is the first time he's been in hallmark film he Mm -hmm. is a degrassi uh graduate Mm -hmm. um and uh holy smokes Holy smokes, he's attractive too. It's no Ryan Pavey, but that's besides the point. So <laughs> I was, it, 
Yeah, but he's very attractive man he was he was really fun self-effacing i really really liked his performance i was like i'm excited about this new guy let's get him in more movies um the other reason why it's so great is because this movie was so racially diverse and not in a way that was like we're just gonna hire black actors for this part we're just Mm. gonna hire asian actors for this part it actually was part of the film so the main character whose name i can't remember is lauren kim yeah, she's Korean. She comes from a Korean family. Um, and of course, uh, um, Appa from Kim, Kim's Convenience mm-hmm. plays our Appa in this also. And, you know, they like talked about like Korean Christmas traditions and foods and things like that. And it was part of the story. It wasn't just like, oh, we're just checking a box. We're just going to make sure that we cast people who look different. It was actually about different things um Mm. so i i really really liked this film i think it was so far i'd say it's the best one of this year but there's been a lot of really good christmas films this year i will say just as a quick sort of um um i guess special mention one Mm -hmm. december night which just played recently is also really really good and super different from other hallmark films peter gallagher and bruce campbell playing to um, older gentlemen who used to be a musical duo. And uh, it's really, really, it's very good. That actually sounds interesting. Peter Gallagher and Bruce Campbell together at last. Yeah. Uh, All right. That brings us to number one. All right. Number one, I am going to um, add one sort of um, caveat or special mention because we're only talking about Hallmark movies right now. Um, And if we weren't talking about Hallmark movies, I would say that the number one sort of holiday romance movie I've ever seen is called Snowed in Christmas, but Mm -hmm. that's a lifetime movie, but it is absolutely the best one ever. Totally rewatchable. I absolutely love it. It's Bethany Joy Lenz and Andrew Walker and they get um, uh, snowed Snowed in in. (laughs) and they get snowed in at Christmas. They're, they're, they're competing the same job on a magazine for a travel magazine they're supposed to be going to bali they get stuck in the middle of vermont or something and so they end up at this airbnb and they're trying to write like the perfect christmas travel story and they fall in love and it's great and i definitely definitely recommend that but since we're doing (laughs) hallmark films yeah (laughs) the number one hallmark holiday film is actually a film that they released in july for this year's Christmas in July. And typically you would think whatever they dump in July and or you like at the beginning of the year, to be fair, Boyfriends of Christmas Past, I think was like the second film released this season. So typically Mm. you think like that's where they're going to dump the stuff that like didn't really work. But this year's Christmas in July movie was called Crashing Through the Snow and starred Amy Acker, who can do no wrong. I love Amy Acker. And it, (laughs) it was such a great film it did not even feel like a hallmark film the whole time i was like this is like a movie like like a real movie (laughs) what's what's happening right here um it's got sort of a weird premise where um her and her ex-husband are super close still friends they'd been friends since they were like kids they just kind of realized you know what we're not really we're not really romantically like this is just not working. So mm-hmm. they they broke up. 
but they're still really close. And uh, I think they have, I can't remember how many kids they have, maybe two or three. Um, And so he has a new girlfriend. She's okay with it. She's supportive. Like, that's great. You should be happy. Um, She does not because she is a mom and, you know, moms tend to like, I got to put my kids first. Um, He asks if he can take the kids to his girlfriend's family Christmas for the year. He'd really like to spend Christmas with the kids. We're going to the girlfriend's family. Can I take the kids? And she was like, yeah, you, yeah, sure. I think, I think we can make that happen. She's a little bit upset about it, whatever. And then for whatever reason, the, the ex and the girlfriend go, you know what? Maybe you should come too. <laughs> so she goes to her ex-husband's new girlfriend's family Christmas. Oh, all right. Yeah. But it's okay because the ex-husband's new girlfriend has a brother who, of course turns, he does. Yeah. who turns out to be the perfect partner for Amy Acker's character. And it's really lovely the way it all happens. They like, yeah, it's just, and it's totally, it's really like adult too, not adult, like adult film, but like adult in that they talk about you know, sort of their feelings. And then also like, but this is so weird. And what am I doing at my ex-husband's girlfriend's? And yeah, how are the kids dealing with all of this? And it was just, it was, it was really, really good. It was so shocking that it was the July movie and that it was, yeah, it was as good as any movie mm-hmm. that would be like released on the big screen. It was great. And I 100% recommend it. And also snowed in Christmas. <laughs> wow, what a journey! Um, well, that was interesting. Actually, i i see the I see the commercials for these, and I'm like, uh. <laughs> yeah, they look a little they look a little soap opera, right? Like I watch yeah. the commercials too, and I'm just like, oh my god, how do I watch these films? But you know what? You do like you quickly once you get into it, you kind of like. You find breeze, a way. Yeah. yeah, you breeze past the sort of like cheap TV uh, production value. Gotcha. All right. Well, that is a top five Hallmark Christmas movies. If- yes, after me talking about Hallmark, <laughs> teasing Hallmark movies like every episode since I started watching them last year. <laughs> right. So, I mean, that's a good place to begin for people. Uh, we're going to segue into a completely different direction. Uh, speaking of production values, we're going to talk about the new Netflix musical Tick, Tick, Boom after our break. You're listening to End Credits here on CFRU 93.3 FM, CFRU.ca, Guelph Campus and Community Radio. I'm an alien, isolating, isolation. I don't want to go and mess around with your blood and soul. This is the last time. Seriously. I know. Thank you. Mm-hmm. 
No, 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 I got you. I'm gonna pay. Hey, I don't want you to pay. <gasps> Somebody needs to take out this trash. So I hear you're moving out of John's place. That's the end of an era. We hear him um, sobbing in the fridge most mornings. It's very sad, actually. No, 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 we are not talking about that. Wait, wait, Carolyn, you, you're coming next Friday, right? What's happening next Friday? The, the Superbio Workshop. workshop. Surprised he hasn't mentioned it. That sounds vaguely familiar. Guys, this is the biggest break I've ever had. This is that moment. It's the first time people are gonna see the show that aren't just us. Well, it's good that you're not putting too much pressure on it or anything. <laughs> no, but it's true though, it's like you get to a certain age and you stop being a writer who waits tables and you become a waiter with a hobby. And that was a clip from Tick, Tick, Boom. It is the new film from Lin-Manuel Miranda and it stars Andrew Garfield, Alexandra Shipp, Robin DeJesus, Vanessa Hudgens, Judith Light, and Bradley Whitford. Candace is still with us, and uh, this was her pick. Um, Tick, Tick, Boom, not based on a Lin-Manuel Miranda musical, based on one by written by Jonathan Larson. Although it was kind of a one-man show, it's kind of something that kind of evolved over the years. But um, anyway, why, why uh, Tick, Tick, Boom, other than it's fun to say? Yeah. Um, so I, I will, uh, I will say, I will preface this by saying, um, so, uh, this film came out, I guess maybe two weeks ago and, mm-hmm. um, my, uh, Twitter feed, uh, was of course lots uh, elusive praise for a tick, tick, boom from, from my sort of friends who are in the uh, musical theater world and, or any type of sort of, um, arts field, which is a lot of people on my Twitter account. So, um, I hadn't really, like, I hadn't really heard much about it. Um, I will say, uh, people can feel free to send their hate mail to me, sin48 at gmail.com. Um, I actually am not a huge fan of Rent, um, which is Jonathan Larson's, like, biggest sort of hit, um, Mm -hmm. because I saw it too late in life, and I was already (laughs) at the point that I was like, okay, but why is the guy who's trying to make, like, have the rent paid? the bad guy i don't i don't understand uh so i saw it too late in life so i, I though that has nothing to say about the actual songs from it which are fantastic but the, <laughs> having watched it i was like i identify with the bad guy in this this is probably bad um so yeah. i i didn't know like a lot really about jonathan larson and so when people started like going crazy on on twitter i was like oh maybe i should check this out and so our my turn came up to do a movie and i was like you know what haven't done haven't done a musical in a, a couple of a months week, a week i mean we did <laughs> summer of soul last which is kind of like a musical oh so, that's true actually yeah. yeah i was like so let's let's do this um i i want to promise the audience assure the audience uh this was november 24th that i said let's do tick tick boom um i <laughs> uh had no foreknowledge that stephen sondheim was going to die yeah, I did not have anything to do with it. I refuse to believe <laughs> that my choosing this film you caused him. his death, <laughs> but it just was like, whoa, yeah. okay, that happened, which I will say also is just like, also the story of Tick, Tick, Boom and Jonathan Larson's life, along mm. with this, we're going to do the Stephen Sondheim, like, you know, mm. guest appearance thing. And then he dies. You just, you can't even write stories this bizarre and ironic and coincidental as Jonathan Larson's life. And right. It's just to me, the fact that he, he even wrote 
a, a musical or like a review called Tick, Tick, Boom. So people who don't know, Jonathan Larson died of an aortic brain aneurysm Yeah, the night before Rent was to play its first off-Broadway performance. Yeah. It's just so tragic. It's just, and it's like, I, I don't, I don't believe in like signs and that people know things or anything like that. I really believe that life is just this weird, funny, ridiculous, complicated mess. But like he wrote something called tick, tick, boom. And that's literally what happened to him. Yeah. Like, it's so weird. It's so weird. It's, it's, I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's like if it happened in, if it was made up for this movie, we'd go, Oh wow. What an amazing, like the, 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 the night before this thing that would change his life opened, he suddenly died. Okay. Movie, but it's, uh, yeah, it, it's something that happened in real life and truth is stranger than fiction, unfortunately. And yet the, the, the added coincidence of here that, you know, Steven Sondheim passed away on Friday. Um, just as, and I, I didn't know he had like a, cause I don't know. I know precious little about musical theater, but I, you know, that he, um was a, a mentor to Jonathan Larson or that he literally had a role in this movie both literally and mm-hmm. uh because he he records um a phone message that uh Stephen Sodheim um made to to Jonathan Larson and you see that scene near the end of the film that's actually Stephen Sodheim's voice but when you see Stephen Sodheim in the movie is being played by Bradley Whitford um yeah I I I had no idea and so when um that, that scene early in the film where he's doing Johnson's putting some on some kind of workshop on for his never ending, um, <laughs> never, <laughs> never, never ceasing to be developed initial musical. Um, and Steven Sodheim's there. Um, I was like, Oh wow. This is a, it's almost like, again, it's almost like we planned it. it yeah. But, yeah. But yeah, it's, it's one of those, it, it seems oddly fitting. Um, yeah, it's just another one of those in, in the course weird of coincidences. Yeah. yeah, in Jonathan Larson's life. Yeah, it's so. I mean, I I really loved this film. I went in with zero expectations because, like I said, yeah. I I didn't really know much about Jonathan Larson's life. I did know about his tragic death right before uh, Rent, and I knew that that he did Rent, but that was kind of kind of it. Um, yeah, there's so much interesting about this film like there's so many bits and pieces like that, that we could talk about like the fact that Lynn manuel miranda's first like directorial sort of thing mm-hmm. um and and it's not one of his own musicals so such an interesting it's like oh how like how interesting that he would decide to do someone else's life and and things like that but then also this film is so I mean, the word meta is super overused, but <laughs> this is the strangest musical I've ever seen, except mm-hmm. if maybe I had seen Superbia, which is the musical <laughs> that this musical is about producing, um, if anybody could follow that. Um, yeah, yeah. So, but it's just like, it's layer upon layer. It's, you know, the story of a person writing a musical about producing a musical and the way that um, Lin-Manuel Miranda and um, Stephen Levinson, who's the writer, sort of crafted this movie because it's not really 
the movie isn't really the musical tick tick boom Mm -hmm. because they put in all this other sort of narrative stuff to make it um yeah just to add more and make it a little bit more like a like a biopic but like there's songs from the musical superbia that are Mm -hmm. sung in the musical tick tick boom and i'm like wait what which which musical am i watching right now i don't even know what's going on (laughs) yeah it's just like the opening number where there are so many different layers where it is a narrative tale about larson waiting tables and uh working on this musical and then it's also him talking about that time as he's performing um tick tick boom in front of an audience and then there you get whole movies spliced in there or not of him uh but of andrew garfield playing him in whole movies and uh there's scenes of you know him out and about talking to his girlfriend and it, there's like so much going on and it immediately sends this like frantic pace because it's all about larson's uh concern about not being a famous um composer by the time he's 30 which is a week away uh, this is all about the week uh, leading up to his 30th birthday. And so you get that sort of frantic pace that all these things are sort of going on in his head all at the same time. And um, yeah, it, it was, this is kind of a weird one for Lin-Manuel Miranda to sort of cut his direct role. I'm, I'm glad he did though. And it, it, this, you know, you have him directing, you have Steven Levinson who, wrote the screenplay who also wrote Dear Evan Hansen. Um, So you have like these two guys who are kind of inheritors of the Larson mantle sort of telling his story. And then you have Tick, Tick, Boom, which as I said, has from what I gather in my several minutes of internet research took like several (laughs) different forms over the years uh, as a a sort of like a one man show. And then like a three person show. Um, The, there's a lot of room where this is like kind of like a a sort of like nerdy this is like a movie that really makes it fun to be nerdy about musical theater which again isn't me but i understand why it would appeal and it actually appealed to me as someone who is not nerdy about musical theater and i think there's a certain there's a certain feeling in this movie that they were allowed to play that they were allowed to um shake shape and shake up the material as they sort of see fit because you know i'm like you i came to rent too late and i came to rent through well what else the movie rent um which you know was made several years after the broadway debut and after it won all the tonys and all that and it's like the way that movie is made it is treated with like this preciousness it's like we have to observe the text with a capital T. And of course it also brought back everyone who was in the Broadway show as well. So um, th- there was a kind of preciousness to that. That isn't here. They're, I mean, they're, they're honorific of the material, but if as a production, it feels very loose. It feels like they're trying things as they're going along. It doesn't feel like they're, they're treating the text with a capital T they're having fun doing this um, for musical theater nerds. There are a lot of, uh, there's actually like internet articles where that will walk you through the cameos in this one scene at the diner. Yes. yes. And I will say when I was watching that, so the song Sundays is, is mm-hmm. what it was. And mm-hmm. I mean, I loved it. That whole, that whole set piece was great, but it didn't take me very long as like 
we're sort of getting different. Um, so it's a, like the busy Sunday brunch at the mm-hmm. diner and they're mm-hmm. short staffed. And I used to work in a diner for five years. And so there was a lot that I was like, I'm, I, 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 I know this is all <laughs> I'm, I'm here. I'm here. Yeah. But yeah. as they started go, going through some of the, the people in the, in the diner, it didn't take me long to go, hold on. All these people are people <laughs> because I started to recognize <gasps> a few of them, starting with Joel Gray, who was the first yep. one I recognized, but then yep. um, like Philippa Sue, who was uh, Eliza Hamilton and um, the woman that she was with, whose name I can't remember, but I know her from a, a variety of different things. And I was like, hold on. And then I was like, Bernadette Peter. Yes. <laughs> yes. Like Every <laughs> single one of these people is someone, this is so cool. And like, that felt like um, Miranda just really trying, like, you know what? I'm going to put everybody in this. Like, this is <laughs> the the whole song, the everything. It's like, it's like a love song to musical theater and Broadway. Like, it's mm-hmm. not, um, and it, it wasn't cheesy like that. Like, no. it was, it was a uh, a really earnest love song to that sort of thing. It was great. I really liked that a lot. I saw somebody on the internet call it the Avengers Endgame of musical theater. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, there were people I recognized too. Like I recognized Joel Gray and I recognized Bernadette Peters. Um, like BB North is in there yeah. too. Who's, I mean, she's done as much like film and TV as she's done Broadway. But um, it, it's, it's interesting the way, like one of the things I really liked about this is um, like there are references to rent, but they're not like heavy handed. Like there's no scene of like somebody walking through the hallway of the apartment going, nobody pays the rent on time. And then, <laughs> and then you see Jonathan Larson pull his chin and go, interesting. Or like, there's nothing like that. But I mean, in Manuel Miranda also cast like people like Vanessa Hudgens, who was in the, the live TV version of rent. So you get that kind of, the, the, the kind of like subtle Easter eggs. And, she, you know, she's one of the performers of in the um, in the workshop. She yeah. I think she gets the big song. He uh, is yeah. struggling <laughs> through the whole course of the movie to write. Yeah. And so there, there's a lot of neat stuff like that. Um, it, it really is kind of a it's a love letter to Broadway, specifically musical theater generally. But it's also interesting it's an interesting look at the creative process and like all those times you kind of like clean the apartment because you have writer's block and Mm -hmm. you you know, you say to your significant other, it's like, I don't have time for this. (laughs) You know, I have to write, even though you haven't been able to write, you know, a single thing for 10 hours. So like taking 10 minutes is no big deal, but it it always feels like a big deal. There's all, there's all of this like really interesting sort of psychology of the creative process that's going on about this thing too. And I, you know, before we went out of time, um, Andrew Garfield, very mm-hmm. surprising as like a, um, he's a really good actor. Um, I didn't know he had this in him though, like this kind of manic energy and this kind of like musical chops, um, this yeah. gravitational force he, that he is in this movie. I didn't know he had that in him which um, blew me away. Yeah, I will say I have actually never seen Andrew Garfield in anything except The Social Network. Um, <laughs> and similarly, I've never seen Vanessa Hudgens in anything except I recently watched The Princess Switch 3. Um, 
Interesting. So I saw her a lot. Um, <laughs> That's an so, interesting place to begin with Vanessa Hudgens. Right, but. right. I know. Um, but yeah, so both both of these actors, I was kind of like, I don't really I have almost no frame of reference for this at all. Um, so I, yeah, I was really interested to see, like, I'm like, who, like, is this Andrew Garfield? Like, you know, the way people talk about him, I feel like he's a person, like, mm. and that you know, he's not going to be this role. He's going to be Andrew Garfield doing whatever. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I didn't, I didn't feel that at all. I agree that he really, I think he really sort of became the role. And I understand that um, he actually had to learn how to sing for the film. He was Mm. hired before anybody even knew if he could actually do the musical part. Mm -hmm. Um, So uh, I guess good, job on his part and actually like putting the work in to to get there mm-hmm. because he did he sounded great mm-hmm. yeah and i mean he's first of all like you haven't seen high school the musical no i have not interesting because even i've seen high school the musical um yeah. <laughs> but what about but- number two or number three maybe i should just start with number three i've i've actually <laughs> i have seen all three I, I complete. I did. The, I ran the trilogy. Um, yeah, it, it's Garfield. Yeah, he's he's one of these guys. Like he's sort of like Robert Pattinson, where he's like shown up. He's shown up in like high profile stuff. That's where everybody sort of sees him. And then he goes and does these like smaller movies, these dramatic movies, where he gets to like really do things like um, Ninety Nine Houses, uh, things like. I mean, even the eyes of Tammy Faye Baker, where he's playing Jim Baker, which is like this totally out there, like role. Um, also, because you have to sort of play at Jessica Chastain's level, and she gets like the the the, more, the meatier part in playing Tammy Faye. But like things like Under the Silver Lake, uh, he was in Silence. Um, yeah, and the social network too, where he also gets sort of like the the less flashy role. He's not playing Sean from Napster. He's not playing Zuckerberg. He's, you know, you know, he's kind of the he's not he's not the Winklevi. So he has to do like he has to basically be the straight man in that movie. And yeah, it, I'm kind of surprised they didn't know he could sing before they cast. Him. Right, seems, I know that seems like really rolling the dice. But I mean. Say what you want about Lin Lin Manuel Miranda. The he he seems to have an eye for talent. So, you know, maybe maybe at this point we should just trust it and go with it. Ah, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, what else is yeah. there to talk about? I like I like the. I know it's supposed to be like the moment in the in the focus group scene where he's <laughs> yeah where he like kind of loses them, but substitute. I thought that was I thought it was great. That was solid branding. I think that was yeah. solid branding. I could I I could I could see myself eating substitute. I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I will say, I mean, it's it's very interesting and it sort of falls a little bit into the same place that that rent did for me. It's kind of mm. like I really struggle, uh, I guess because I have so many friends who are artists mm-hmm. who also have jobs. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, many of them are also like jobs in the arts. Like, it's just sometimes I keep sort of coming back to this thing going, I mean, we don't all have to die for our art. Like, mm-hmm. there are 
there are pay- I mean, like the the character Susan, his girlfriend, right? Like, is going to go teach, like permanently teach kids ballet, mm-hmm. and that's great, right? Like, she gets to continue to perform. She gets to teach other people. She gets a like a a, a job, you know, some security, and she can still perform and and you know exercise and practice her art at the same time like there are there are ways to do this i'm glad you mentioned that don't involve like (laughs) no you're right i'm glad you mentioned that because i think that is sort of like the flip side of this film too it's like yes it's a tribute to the arts and uh like suffering for your art and being the best you can possibly be and working it out and doing the workshops doing the hard work all of that but there's also a flip side of the two. And like, what's the piece of advice that um, his his agent tells him after the workshop? It's like, uh, he's a very talented guy. Can't wait to see what he does next. Mm-hmm. And that is sort of, you know, in a nutshell, it's like, yeah, you could kill yourself for 10 years working on one thing, but it might be the wrong thing. And maybe if you're killing yourself for 10 years working on it, maybe it isn't the the thing you need to be doing and you sort of have to allow yourself the freedom to move on and then part of this too is his friend michael um and there's a really powerful scene where after the whole focus group debacle and and jonathan's talking about you know uh the value of art and michael's like well this of course taking place in 1989 and 90 and michael being gay is like well you know what i can't marry the person that i love i mm-hmm. you know i can barely sort of be out and about with them like our love is treated uh the love i would have between a significant other and myself being gay is something very different and by the way there's this scary thing called aids going around so you know the choice i'm deciding to make is yeah i'll go for the corner office i'll go for the nice apartment i'll go for the nice car because at least i can have those things i can't necessarily have these more ethereal things like the romance like uh marriage family kids and all of that and there's this scary boogeyman called aids out there that we you know uh learn in due course um michael is hiv positive mm-hmm. so uh, that i mean that's part of it too the, the, the film is this stirring defense of the arts but at the same time it's um it's kind of a if that's you that's cool but like <laughs> it you know don't cast this negative energy down on the people who make different choices for themselves, whether that is uh, Susan who goes to teach dance up in the boonies or (laughs) the Berkshires. (laughs) I forgot the literal name of the place, but or or Michael who's like, you know, I'm a crappy actor, but I'm really good at advertising. So I'll do that and I'll make money. And uh, I mean, I don't get everything I want in life, but I'll, you know, have a nice apartment. And what I assume was a pastiche of Trump tower yeah the victory towers (laughs) yes (laughs) that because it was midtown and the the lettering on the front of the victory tower was very specific yeah (laughs) yeah i i sort of thought the same thing when i saw it i was like hmm hmm, yeah yeah i mean i i don't i don't know it's it's yeah (laughs) these are tough decisions i think everybody has to has to take right and Mm -hmm. you can't I think that's what I what I didn't jive so much with rent is just like all of these other people who made a different decision for whatever reason, mm. 
just looking down on the people who are like, okay, but like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do it this way. Like, yeah, I want to save the theater too. And to do that, it's by making money for the theater to be saved. Like, Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. (laughs) You know, just, I just came to it all too late. I'd gotten on board with all this stuff when I was still in my my hippie socialist uh, days as a 19 or 20 year old, maybe I would feel differently about it. Right. And I think that's, I, I don't, I don't know if there's the, the movie isn't about a message. I don't think, I think it, it's very much, and that that's sort of, you know, what, what's interesting about, about it too, is that it could have been very much, a message film because I mean, Jonathan Larson himself wasn't gay, but he, you know, he worked in theater and so he was around a lot of gay people and a lot of, you know, it plays around the edges that he's sort of being molded this way to write rent. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's a scene where he, I can't remember. I think, I think it's a lyric to one of the songs from rent where he's like walking by a poster and it's, it's like this public health poster about, HIV AIDS and he writes down what I, I'm pretty sure it's a lyric for a song so I mean there's these little bits of things around the edges too um, but it's very much sort of not about the message it's not about uh, the social issues going around it, it's very much about like the personal struggle like when does youth end when is it okay to not be like like when is is it not okay to struggle anymore when is it okay like how much do you embrace failure before you move on to something else and the movie's about all of these things but it's also about none of these things mm-hmm. um and it moves very very quickly through a lot of these ideas which i find i mean it's just i see i use the word frantic i don't mean that in a bad way it just it feels like we're living in this head this guy's head for 2 hours and you kind of just swing from one thought to the next. It's like these songs that pass through his head, like writing a, bit, a song about, you know, filling sugar. Or there's a, <laughs> there's a scene at one point where he's having a fight with Susan. And she's like, are you thinking about how you can turn this into a song for your play right now? And yeah, it, it's I, I don't think I've ever. And this may be high praise because Lord knows I haven't seen every movie in the world. But I don't think I've ever like been in a movie where you kind of get inside the artist's head in this kind of like thematic way um, versus, you know, anything else. And, you know, I think that that has a lot to do with Lin-Manuel Miranda, right? Sure. He, he, he played, he has played the role, the Mm -hmm. John role in Tick, Tick, Boom. Uh, He's kind of lived the life. I think he really just gets this character. And so he was able to really get it on screen in Mm -hmm. a way that, that, brought us all yeah like right inside to the interior mind of jonathan larson so mm-hmm. it's a lot of fun and uh i i think um it's worth checking out but we have to call it a day if you like this show uh any of our shows we hope you like it we hope you listen to it again you can find it on our website at endcreditsradioshow.com you can download it from the guelph Politicast channel every friday at podbean or through your favorite podcast app at Apple, Stitcher, Google, Spotify, or TuneIn. And speaking of Spotify, you can find the playlist for much of the music that you hear on End Credits. Just search for End Credits on CFRU on Spotify. 
You can find us on Facebook at End Credits Radio Show and on Twitter at End Credits Radio. Candice, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, you can find me everywhere on the internet at sin48, C-I-N-N-4-8. Um, Letterbox is, you know, where I'm making my making my lists and checking them twice. So if you want to see all, <laughs> how I rate all the other Hallmark movies, you can, you can see my Hallmark list on Letterbox. That was well played. I will be back here tomorrow on CFRU for news and politics and open sources. Guelph with Scotty Hertz. I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Adam A. Donaldson, and you can check out my news and politics site at GuelphPolitico.ca. You can stay tuned for more great programming here on CFRU 93.3 FM, CFRU.ca, Guelph Campus and Community Radio. We will return next Wednesday at 3 p.m. for more end credits, and we will see you then. Thank you.